Hello, and welcome to the Plugged In Podcast, where we talk with founders and CEOs in order to bring you the real stories of failures and triumphs, highs and lows they've experienced on their journey toward success. We will go in-depth with our guests to give you insights into how they have taken an idea from concept to realization, making those first key hires to building the right team, scaling revenues, how they overcame obstacles, and much more as we learn how they achieve success. This is the podcast that you want to subscribe to if you want to learn how to succeed. Hello, everyone, and uh, welcome to another episode of the Plugged In Podcast. Today, we have Chris Cunningham who is someone I've known for over 10 years now. I think I've known you from your app savvy days and we became, you know, good friends from there. Yep. And, you know, post that you've done a lot of amazing things and you know, let's start with just a little bit of background about yourself, you know, and then we'll jump into, you know, how you got started with app savvy. Yep. Uh, the the podcast in general goes into you know, how you built your company, how you overcame some challenges that you faced, fundraising, and from there we'll go into post-app you know, post savvy days. Sure. So, Ali, thanks for having me. This is fun. Already off to a, a good start talking about how companies are built and failures. We, I think you and I both enjoy those topics. So, yeah, my background, I started in 99, cutting my teeth selling online advertising, a network called Music Vision. I went to Bolt.com, which was an early social networking site, again, sort of in ad sales. Sherman Pishavar uh, brought me on to Webs, which is a web publishing platform like Wix and WordPress. Uh, there I introduced widgets into the market. So, so far, this is all sort of tied to commercialization. And, uh, you know, at this stage, I was more kind of a CRO, chief commercial individual, not had run my, my first company yet. But then uh, in 07, apps, Facebook opened up the Canvas pages to the developer ecosystem developers flooded in started building games and communities and that's where i kind of had the, the idea of of bridging bay area developers with madison avenue given i had all this brand and agency experience and for seven years we really pioneered native advertising we pioneered in-game integration the whole time ellie was very much focused on context relevance timing and doing things that were right for the consumer. At that time, uh, you know, between 07 and 10, 11, people thought we were crazy and everything was around the banner and scale. And um, it's, it's interesting to see today how much things have come full circle as relates to the consumer and the, the user experience. Once we sold App Savvy to Iron Source, which you know, a uh, large Israeli uh, tech company, I was getting restless to wanting to do my, my next uh, startup. And finally, it really dawned on me but that before I started my next company, I had a time to reflect from App Savvy and just quite frankly realized, you know, I had some wins, but I also made a lot of mistakes and a lot of tough experiences. Everything from fundraising going wrong to recapping to term sheets getting pulled to, you know, hiring the wrong way. So I started C2 Ventures four years ago, which is my own platform to really put an emphasis on in the trenches, hands-on investing and advising with the under, uh, you know, the underpinning and the belief that institutional venture models broken, we need more operate operators and hands-on people at the table with founders. So uh, kind of, yeah. So that's, that's great. So let, let's go back, you know, you said a lot of stuff there. So let's go back to your apps everything. Yep. Just to start. Um, you know, you came up, you saw your Facebook launched and you saw the opportunity bridging West Coast developers and the, you know, Madison advertisers. Yep. What, you know, when you started, take us through the first, you know, sales cycle that you did. You know, when you, you know, you, you built something from nothing and you got to get clients, right? You got to scale. 
right. So walk us through. I, again, if you if you recall from that. Yeah, no, I do. I mean, it, it was funny. Um, we uh, Michael Burke and I, co-founder, he lives in Chicago. We heard about these Stanford Facebook classes in 07. And we flew out, you know, still bootstrapped, probably still employed by webs, using their computers, doing all the hack jobs to, uh, to, 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 to keep things on a budget. And we showed up in these classes. And I'll tell you, you know, Ed Baker, for example, who, you know, ran Uber and Facebook growth, he was there with his app. There were gaming companies like Playdom and Zynga and SGN. I mean, what's funny, Ellie, is a lot of the the Ariel Polar, a lot of these you know amazing hitters that out in out in the market today, they were they were there, and we basically said, look, you're building these games, you're building these communities, pets, you know, I mean, pets to moms, everything, but how are you going to make money? And Michael and I had so much sort of bad taste in our mouth from traditional banners. We promised them the idea of bringing brands and weaving brands into the element and the fabric of their community, but in a way that wasn't interruptive, that was, you know, conducive to the user experience. So the first example was a movie. Um, if you asked me two years ago, I remember it was a Sony Pictures movie. We probably got paid 60000 We got 50% of that. And we basically took um, the, uh, the, 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 the content of the movie and weaved it into one of our games on Facebook that we repped. Again, we were just a rep firm. We didn't build anything. And, um, yeah, I remember, you know, seeing advertising on Facebook Canvas uh, under the blue bar for that first time in, in 07. It was, it was pretty cool. Um, and we did, you know, at least 150 or 160 of these things. Um, at the, the Super Bowl, that was McDonald's, $1 million for one day when Farmville had 75 million daily users and we would yeah. get, you know, McDonald's integrated, but in a way that user, the reason it was fun, Ellie, is the users would be able to grow their crops and expedite their game experience. So that's a win for them. McDonald's gets to see a lot of people on Facebook because um, Facebook wasn't doing anything creative at the time. No video, no native, right? And we got paid. So that that that's kind of the trifecta that we were trying and, and, to look for. So how did, how did McDonald's come to? How did you come to McDonald's? Sales team, man. The one thing that we, or again, you know, we we were sales guys. So uh, to a fault, you know, you could argue that you know today you don't invest in companies unless there's a engineer tactical co-founder at least i wouldn't with cg ventures and uh but michael and i yeah we built a world-class sales team we had you know 10 or 12 salespeople covering agencies covering brands and for for you know for for the first three and a half years we didn't have any competition i mean we were literally just scooping up dollars left right and center i mean our business went three million um seven million ten million twenty million okay no tech no. In the first, yeah, that's how our revenue grew as a. And you're being a rep firm. Being a rep firm for Facebook apps, no technology, strictly, you know, and on average, 60, 40, 50, 50 rev shares. And, and you see, the thing that you're saying that resonates with me is the old school tech that you took is you realized going to Stanford and, and going to this class and meeting everybody under the sun. That they were there. Thing. They were there. So you, you they, were, there were classes. That were like, how do you get on? How do you build games on Facebook? How do you hack? And all these things around the virality of Facebook. Remember, remember this time, Ellie. This was we were repping apps that were like send a pizza to your friend, yeah, poke a friend, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, calendars, yeah. birthdays, hot or not, all hot or not. Yeah. So you think about these, and 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 like even saying this out loud, I'm glad you asked the question. Like, kind of gives me chills. It's cool because 
you know, all that shit is like these are real these are real products, right? I mean, the yeah. Facebook reminder on uh, on Facebook is is uh, the birthday reminder. Sorry, is probably one of the most used tools, right? So, you, you know, you could argue, and I will make the argument that a lot of this, all, a lot of these apps, Facebook was in a prime position to <laughs> learn and pick up what it you know what what its main consumer base um wanted to uh what they were looking for from their experience there's a dark side to all this i don't know when you want to talk about that Uh, this is a podcast that covers everything so listen while that's all great there's uh, a guy called mark zuckerberg who is uh constantly watching his platform and and making algorithm changes that are positive for the user experience. So you can't fault them for that. But I think it's pretty... Well, I mean, yes and no. I mean, like, you know, the, the issue that I've always, had, I've always had with Facebook is it's a closed loop in a sense. Mm-hmm. Like my feed is closed. Yeah. Rarely does it open up to get the outliers in my social network. Right. right? The people that okay, I maybe not don't communicate with on a frequent basis, but I don't, I, you know, I'm only seeing what they want to show me. Yeah, that's the, that's the problem that I always have with Facebook. Is, is that well, well, the problem we had was they uh, they they each year they made a hard they they made uh, um, um, uh, it made, they made it harder for apps to go viral. So the ecosystem started to disappear. It's kind of like if you imagine like Africa and all these animals running around looking for a watering hole. There was a couple times there's no watering hole. Game survived, but that's because the algorithm changes killed the virality. So Facebook, for all the th- good things they've done, they're also the evil empire. I mean, they've 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 slaughtered endless startups. Well, yeah, I mean they've they've given rise to a ton of startups who yeah. are able to capitalize on it, but then at the same time, yeah, they also kill. You know, they. I mean, so was that the first? Is that was that the biggest hurdle that you had? Yes. So that was okay. So the biggest pro, the biggest challenge that. That is when we had to pivot our business. Okay. So again, we were a service business. Life was great. Water was warm. We were all over the news. That's probably when we met. Yeah. Press, hot, you know, hottest tech company, even though we didn't have tech. <laughs> we were one of the hottest companies in New York. And then uh, our ecosystem, our supply side disappeared. And we had to scramble hard. And then we went from there to being basically a gaming rep firm. Why? Because they're the only ones that figured it out. They survived. More importantly, Ellie... Zynga, remember, they were yeah. paying 20% tax. Yeah. So Facebook was making money. So they, you know, who knows what was happening, but the game survived. And at the the worst and the best, we were Zynga's sale team. I mean, the fact that Zynga didn't buy us is still shocking. We had an army selling Mafia Wars and Farmville. They didn't have a sales team. and But that's how bad it got. It, it, we, you know, we went from repping hundreds of apps to one. That's when we had to pivot. That's when we went, you know, 2011 was probably the hardest year I've ever run a company. Um, we kind of went dark, you know, uh, and, and came out about 18 months later with a, uh, on smartphones, smartphones just came out. Smartphones were kind of hidden scale, basically repping inventory on mobile, but triggering ads after a native activity. So very proud of the fact that our team engineered Basically, not native in the sense of content, right? That's BuzzFeed, that's mm-hmm. Forbes. We don't, we never did that. But we were native in the sense that we were triggering ads based off of a poll, a comment, a vote, a view, a swipe. That was our whole engine. I mean, App Savvy pioneered, pioneered that. Wow. But it was brutal. I mean, let me just say, we went from 75 people to, you know, 30. We had to lay off people. We had to, you know, push more money in to keep us afloat. 
So we, a lot of people that you know know us and know Michael know know that we went through a brutal time. Yeah, I I I, I totally hear that, and that's that's crazy. So I, I mean, so did you raise funds first when you first opened up, or you and Michael bootstrapped? We bootstrapped. We did six fifty angel. Then we did the the A True Ventures and New York Times and Bowery. And basically, we kept the same investors at the table. Um, that was also a mistake. Um, you know, one of the one of the one of the mistakes that that I made as CEO was, you know, um, when you're young and you're you know your company's valued thirty five million bucks and you're looking at yourself on the cap table, you get hung up on that. But the reality is, it's bullshit. It's just a piece of paper with a number on it. Your job is to make sure there's cash and there's runway. So we should have been stronger with a couple of our board members who did not want to recap when we had to pivot, remember? Yeah. Because they were going to lose their position. But by not recapping and not getting new money, and we had term sheets for new money, but not at $35 million. And quite frankly, they weren't wrong. We were probably a 5 to $10 million company. We had to, re- we had to reboot. See, Ellie, most companies don't have it right. They don't have it right. They don't have it right. And then they hit it. That's a pivot that we yeah. know of. Absavi was a reverse pivot. You know, how many companies were crushing it? And then had to... Then had to so it was a very different, and no one trains you for that. You know, um, you don't learn that in sixth grade. Um, so um, yeah, that, those were, you know, tough learnings, and 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 um, in, and also you know, saying no to some term sheets as far as acquisition. Um, maybe not. Maybe we should have taken the all stock Spotify deal. See, I'm giving you a nugget on your yeah. on your podcast, man. I haven't. Not that many yeah. people know. You know, all stock. Five six years ago, that, that, that would have been paid out nicely now. But uh, you know, but, but 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 you need board approval. You need, you need board approval, and I'll tell you this: and for any founders that that are listening, don't ever get caught up on the mystique and who your board member is, or what people will say, or how you may be perceived. If your gut with your founder is to do a deal, whether it's recap or to yeah. sell fucking do it and, no. t- and tell your board that you're you're gonna cause an absolute mess <coughs> if you don't risk so, so this goes to my next my next question and this and I've told this to people before I hate VCs I'm not a VC fan as an entrepreneur as a founder and I've had an experience VCs are they, 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 they're here to make a buck mm-hmm. they're not here to help the entrepreneur they, again it, it, they'll help it if it helps them right so you know you have people that you know, great, we love the company, we love the idea, we love you. Sure, and they're friends, but when it comes down to it, like you're saying, and when you had that opportunity, board members are, are, are selfish in the sense that they want what's best for them, yep. not what's best for the company necessarily. Very few times will the, those two overlap, and it's a challenge. And did, so with that, did you have, <coughs> excuse me, did you have a mentor that you, you, that you went to for advice, um, or you just, you and Michael just, Confer together. So, so what a great segue. Um, yeah, I mean, look, uh, I share this responsibility. You know, first of all, Michael and I should have had mentors that we leaned on, but we didn't. But part of that's my fault. Like, it's part of that I take the responsibility. I wasn't, I wasn't really asking for that much help, but nor did I know I needed it. Mm-hmm. And Ellie, why I'm doing C2 Ventures is exactly the app savvy experience, which is. Um, inserting yourself, but introducing yourself to a founder that says, I'm not your VC. Your VC's goal and intent is to support the LP. Correct. I'm here to be a middle heir, your Jerry Maguire, your rabbi, 
to ensure that you have a real sounding board where you can be straight up. And you may ask me, like, well, doesn't a VC do that? VCs don't do that, they okay? Don't. They Agreed. don't. So the, the driver of this thesis with CG Ventures was where was my rabbi? Where was my Jerry Maguire? Wish I had them. I still would have – you're still going to fuck up. You're still going to make mistakes. Of course. But I wouldn't have made as many. And uh, I would have had somebody to say, you know what? You go tell your board, you know what? Um, go take that deal. And I'm literally having those kinds of conversations with founders every single day. Yeah. Out of the, and I, you know, I have about 20 companies now. Which, which, is, which is great. I mean, that's exactly, you know, that's one of the reasons why I started this podcast is specifically that. You know, you get, get some insights from people that have gone through it. And because, again, I, I definitely agree with you. I think more people, especially angels, who are really looking for good deals, good ideas, also founders have the ability to really influence and mentor the founders to avoid some of the mistakes and some of the cockiness that they have, right? Because every founder is like, my idea I got it. is the best idea out there. Yeah. And, you know, no one, no one knows it better than me. But what they don't understand is they don't know the overall market, cat, the market size. They don't know the industry as well. They don't have the experience that you bring to the table and you're able to really – you know, help them navigate the challenges that they face. And the right ones, if you pick them right, Ellie, they listen. Yeah. They're they're you know, you this is a relationship, but yeah, I mean the best days are, you know, a number of founders that are they're, they're like they they respect the opinion and they listen and um yeah, I didn't have that. That's why I did this. I mean literally it's coming out of once I had time to reflect, I'm like, wow, I really wish I had that individual the problem, see, this is where I know a listener could get confused to say, well, there are advisors everywhere and you had advisors. The problem is that most people, you know, a lot of founders just get that advisor just to have their that badge of honor, the name on the yeah. website, this high profile person. That's the last person you need. <laughs> you need the hustler and the operator, uh, but namely the hustler. And you need to agree that that's what they, that he or she wants to do and what the founder is looking for. Only then you're going to get somebody that is uh, going to be hands-on and entrenched with the business, not passive. Because as you know, these, you know, a month goes by, it's a completely different business. Two months goes by, you can't just sort of check in. Yeah. So the, go- the key here, my, my kind of main point is, it's like any relationship. It's like you know, if you don't nurture it and invest in it, you, know, yeah. you see somebody a year later, you're kind of like, oh, hi. You know, it's, it's not the same. That, that, trust, not be- that trust or that sort of openness sort of, you know, angles down because you haven't had that level of communication. Correct. I totally agree with you. So I'm, I want to go back a little bit more because I, one of the things that you said is your sales team at AppSavvy, right? they, they really built a business, right? So they, they hustle. Did they have any training or you just put them in and said sell? We, we, we picked well, man. I mean, we might, yeah, we made a lot of mistakes. As you can tell, I've already called, up, called myself out three times in the first, <laughs> but, but not when it came to salespeople. We crushed it. We just, we, we, you know, um, this isn't a sh- sh- podcast about you know hiring or recruiting, but sometimes the best pe- we, we, we talk about we cover everything. The best people are are the ones that are 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 not from the high profile company and the ones with the perfect experience. So the ones that were at Prince or radio and they wanted their first digital job. Yeah, they they had a hustle because they wanted the opportunity. So a lot of this sometimes is just. Who you give an opportunity, and those people build, generate a level of loyalty and trust, and they outwork the yeah the ones where I had problems and had to fire them, and you know a lawsuit and like ugly shit. Those are the ones that we overpaid 
some fat cat that wanted to sit back and um, didn't feel like they had anything to prove. Now, again, that's on me and Michael for not hiring correctly. But in, on the other side of that, we hired really good people. We built an incredible culture. Every year we won Ad Age Best Places of Work. Every year we won Crane's Best Places of Work. That's voted by the people. Yeah. So that's the thing I'm most proud about. Um, company culture is extremely... That's the thing. You know, we pioneered a lot, but the thing I'm most proud about is for four good years, you, we could recruit anybody we wanted. We could anybody... Because you'd have 15 people be like, this is the best place to work in New York, and they meant it. Mm-hmm. Now, when, we, when, when our supply went the other way and we had to pivot and we had to let people go, that was the first, first unfortunate signs of, wow, you know, are we going to be able to recover? Will we ever be the same? The truth is we never got... We never got, got to that to. height again. Yeah, I hear that. So when when you when you you know invest in companies now, right? And so, are you looking? Are you giving the founders you know to, you know ideas or suggestions on you know who they should hire in terms of sales in terms of certain positions? Because you know what I what I find is, and I just did a, a dinner the other night where I had a bunch of CEOs, and one of the questions, one of the things they realized is sales, specifically sales. It is tough. You know, like you're saying, you had a fat cat and they come in not wanting, thinking they they don't have to try as hard. But sales drives almost everything. Yeah. You have to have a good product. Right? Yep. You have to good offer. But at the end of the day, the sales, and these founders don't have any sales background, right? They're, they're the best. In the end, they're the best salespeople out there because they're the most passionate. Right? And again, same thing. I'm sure you and Michael were the best salespeople you had because you're, you're the most passionate about, the, about your product. But, you know, so do you offer that to your your founders as well? Do you? What I say is, I'm your guy before you can afford the chief revenue officer. CRO is going to want two hundred fifty thousand. You're sure it's all not paying that before a you sh- you know get fired or should if you pay that. <laughs> so I'm your guy before that. Um, the the ideal company are the ones that have a healthy blend between engineer and product and tech companies that I've sold or been a part of an exit with C2 Ventures that were 1X, 1.5, all engineering, amazing companies, didn't have the commercial. Was that, that, it AquaHire in a sense? Correct. That's exactly what it was. Yeah. And then on the flip side, um, uh, you know, I've been a part of a couple of companies that are only commercial oriented, no tech, at a co-founder level, totally problematic, shit show. So for me, it's... Um, it's uh, um, you know, I, for, you know, six or seven companies or examples, I've played the role of interim, you know, revenue commercial person to get, to get the milestones. Again, remember where I play and where C2V plays, uh, Ellie is zero to three. Yeah. When you can get to, uh, when, a when an institution will write a check for two and a half, three million bucks, uh, we're, you know, you're, I go back, I go get to the next company. Yeah. And you go hire your team. It doesn't mean that we, you know we're we're best friends. Arbor was my be- best win, right? Arbor sold for yeah. 155 million in two years, um, and I replicated that model. And I'm super tight with the founding team, and they're some of the most impressive guys I've ever worked with. How much did they raise? Um, under 10 million. But remember, at the at the time of the of the sale, a lot of that money. You know, the cash was still on the balance sheet. It was, yeah. it was just perfectly executed. Um, David Yaffe is a very impressive CEO. Um, and, um, yeah, so, so uh, uh, but that think about that, Ellie, for a minute, is if you're a startup 
and for you know any founder that is listening uh, to this one day, and you got eighteen months of or two years of runway, and you mess around the wrong, you you uh, you you uncover the wrong, you know, look under the wrong rocks, yeah. or take too slow, or get it wrong, or you use LinkedIn for your, you just do you do some stupid stuff, not because you're a bad person, just because you haven't done it. Now you've wasted four or five months. Correct. All right, what's your runway now? Correct. Now your runway is uh, twelve, right? Yeah, uh, or thirteen. So. The point is, there's no time for for games, and there's no time for BS, especially when you have a limited window to show to show and prove certain milestones, whether that's product MVP, commercial customers, whatever they are. So you need to get it right, and that's the way I I my my role is to make sure you get as many of those milestones as possible, and when you get that larger chunk of change, I'll leverage my pro rata, you know, continue to invest, but you're it most likely you you have a team where you don't need my services as much. Got it. And who knows? Maybe you're tired of me. No. So so <laughs> so. Okay. So we got that. So you know, app savvy. You're finishing. So how did you? How did Iron Source come into play? So Iron Source, um, Iron Source came into play. Um, 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 uh, Listen, we had a couple term sheets. We had a couple deals that we were trying to get apps out of the other side. Um, we ended up getting sort of a, an asset sale. It was not a. It was it wasn't the home run that I was expecting, uh, Ellie. Yeah. Um, but um, um, yeah, we were expecting something else, and Iron Source really wanted our brand DNA. They wanted the team. Uh, they wanted our customers. They certainly wanted me and Michael. And that's how we ended up there. It was uh, basically uh, a way to get to the other side, mm-hmm. quite frankly. Yep. Investors were a bit tired. We had some big headwinds. Yeah. And, you know, um, they, 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 were, they were a path forward. And did, did you find it a good cultural fit for you? <laughs> um, it definitely changed. Listen, is it, you know... Working with, you know, eight or nine founders, you know, hardcore Israeli founders and being kind of the U.S. commercial guy, this is a different thing. Funny enough, like I just saw those guys the other day. I've helped them do some stuff from here and there. So I really like them. I really respect what they've done independently. I think they're crazy uh, in a good way. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't, you know, I'm smiling, obviously. But um, um, they... I think they. I needed them. I needed to move on. Yeah. Even though there were some things that I, I didn't. It didn't end the way I wanted. And but they, they also needed me. They needed a brand evangelist because if you're an Israeli company coming to the U.S., you you, you, get, you get some eyebrows lifted up. You're like, who, who are you? And you know, what's your what's your thing? If you have a, a Amer- U.S. guy, American guy, gal, that helps. I totally agree with you. So we're going to wind it down in a few minutes. So a few other questions outside of this. So what was the first job you had? You know, either you post- mean outside of selling? You know, post college, like what? Was, what was the first job you took? And what did? And more important, like what did you take from that job that you used today? Like, is there any type of habits, anything that you use continuously that you learned? No, um, I did a lot of odd jobs. You know, from retail to uh, you know selling credit card applications in college to, you know, you know, all sorts of things, uh, ha- hacking things. I took a recruiting job right after college 
And I lied. AppSavvy was my first company. My first company was a magazine called The Vagabond, which was basically Yelp and Zagat. <laughs> but it was print. So yeah. we ran out of money very quickly. This was in Charlotte, North Carolina in 08. Um, sorry, 19... 98? 98, thank you. <laughs> 98, 99, thank you. Yeah. Um, thank you. Um, I'm not that old. And... Um, and um, but it's not so much where I learned anywhere else, to be honest. It was more so what I learned on my own, yeah. um, and uh, and what it was like to be an entrepreneur and, and that sort of thing. And if you are not once an entrepreneur, always an entrepreneur. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting across from one, and and the best thing entrepreneurs can do is get get out and and get their hands dirty and roll up their sleeves and grind, and then you mess up, and then you don't make the same mistake the next time. So. You know, I know a lot of people kind of had mentors and all these kinds of things. I've been, um, you know, I learned. I, I, listen, there's one person that I that 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 was pretty cool to work with, and uh, that was Shervin Pishavar, right? Mm-hmm. First check into Uber and um, Menlo and out of Menlo Ventures, and you know, Shervin, Shervin, right? So he was a pretty. I mean, I got to, he handpicked me, and I got to work with him for two years. So I learned some some really cool stuff uh, through him. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't have that one job, one experience. This is more about me, like kind of hands on. Yeah. And what did you want to be when you were 15? Did you, did you have any idea? Like, did you want to be a scientist? Do you want to be a rock star? Do you want nah, to be- Yeah. I mean, I think I'm sure when you're younger, you, everyone plays the, you know, policeman, that sort of thing. I just knew I was going to like, sell. Like, you know, I knew I was going to be in sales. I used to get, I used to get, you know, Christmas presents and birthday presents, take this microphone and it would cost 200 bucks. And I, there was something at the time called the want ad and I'd sell it for 280, <laughs> like literally like two days later. Yeah. So I was just always good at making a buck. Um, so I just knew that I'd apply that superpower and believe me, like I suck at a lot of stuff, but I, I, I can, I can sell. Got it. So are there any companies in the market now that you're saying, and it could be some of your portfolio companies that you're saying, wow, that's just, they're, they're, that's, that's going to crush it. Two of my portfolio. I mean, listen, uh, I'm excited about a lot of my companies, but uh, two that I'm most excited about, uh, Zenrez. I was the first check in Zenrez, which is dynamic pricing, sales software for boutique fitness like yoga. So if you're if you're an SMB, a small business, and you want to know who's coming in and their behavior and to offer right message, right time kind of thing, um, Zenrez pioneered basically that model uh they were they started off like hotel tonight for fitness like mm-hmm. available inventory yeah. but they've kept getting smarter and smarter so um now with billions of dollars of pe money coming into fitness and the opportunity for soul cycle or crunch gyms to expand beyond our yoga bar profile i'm very bullish uh impressive ceo matt capizzi um they're out of san francisco so i'm very active with them uh, in a kind of EVP capacity. And then uh, a new consumer credit card called Pedal, uh, Jason Gross. Um, you're you're going to start seeing Pedal advertised on the New York subways and, and, and taxis, I'm sure. I just saw my first Instagram ad today. This is basically the introduction of a, of a new um, uh, consumer card. So that's, you know. That's a, that's a big challenge. Yeah, this is big, but they've, 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 they've turned some of the biggest uh, corners. Like, you know, if there's some version of a unicorn, I, you know, um, it doesn't have to be a billion, but something pretty substantial. I, I'm, I, I'm rooting pretty hard on pedals. So, um, yeah, I mean, um, but there's, you know, I have a travel company. I have a, I have a, a wellness uh, company. Um, uh, uh, so yeah. So uh, before we finish, 
How do you source the deals? They seem to be all over. Do they find you? You find them? Most of it's inbound from founders. The yeah. Be, the, yeah, the best uh, the best leads are founders telling founders. Oh, and it doesn't make a difference. The you know digital media, you know, you know, you have fintech. You know, is it any specific vertical or it's a good idea? Good founder, reach out. Founder domain expertise that I understand, and net, my network be able to support that company founder that's open and that wants me that wants to listen uh those are the main components but yeah i'm if you if, if i had to bucket it i have now three in fintech uh i didn't mention little fund i'm excited about little fund uh, the ability for people to gift kids kind of in a early stage rather than buying shit, yeah. they, shit they don't need anyway fintech blockchain i have four in that category martech data consumer tech so there are some areas that I stay within, but I just did my first travel company because Susan Ho is just like, you know, just wowed me. So, and I know I can help Susan. So, but again, if you brought me a drone company, Ellie, I'd be like, yeah, man, drones are cool, but I don't, I, I don't know how to help it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, 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 I need, I need to be able to be supportive. That's kind of what's important to me. Got it. Two, two last questions. So what podcast do you listen to, if any? Do you have any that you, uh... you know, well, yours, of course. Um, I need to hear myself <laughs> that's, talk. That's a nice plug. <laughs> um, plugged in. Listen up. Um, yeah, no, I um, I got to be honest. I'm kind of in the discovery of, of mode of getting my podcasts. You know, I started off with the TED Talks, you know, the kind of anything daily news. So I'm probably right now at news and sports. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I, I haven't yet sort of connected to, uh, to one or two consistent podcasts. Um, so I'm... To be honest, I'm late to the game here. Okay. Yeah. And last one, what what three what are three books you would read again? I don't ask the books that you would that you read, but if there are books that you would read again that you found really impactful. Uh, Principles, Dalio. That was a. Um, have you read uh, Principles? Nope. So yeah, Principles from um, Ray Dalio. If I'm pronouncing. Um, his name right. I mean, I I like uh, I, I, the you know the hard thing about hard things or hard yeah okay. uh, Ben from um, Andreessen. I thought that was again like some good guiding principles around uh, uh, startups. Can't really think of a third. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that works. Well, anyways, thank you so much for your time, and it's great to have you. I, you know, it's good to finally dig a little bit deeper in, yeah, in our friendship. Um, and you know, listen, I'll let you know once it's out. Please, uh, whoever's listening, make sure to rate the podcast as well. Thank you so much, Chris. Thank you for having me, bro. Rate the podcast. Thank you. Love this episode of the Plugged In Podcast? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.